What will I do with all that free time? How much money will I need I'm some living? Will I still be able to help my kids financially? Living on a fixed income sounds scary. Don't be paranoid. It's your retirement. If retirement uncertainties keep you up at night, you're not alone. That's why we're here, to help you let go of your paranoia and enjoy retirement full on. Making our own way. Welcome to the Paranoid Retiree Podcast, where your hosts are so paranoid about retiring, we had to make a <laughs> podcast about it. Hi, I'm Jill. I'm Greg. And I'm Ann. And we're paranoid as hell. Uh, maybe you guys are. I don't know if I am. Here's what you're in for today. This idea of rewirement, what a fabulous word for what we're talking about. Maybe even redefining work entirely. Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Sounds like some kind of sexual practice. Did you say that? <laughs> tips for how to rewire yourself rather than just retire. Your worth is not measured by check marks on a to-do list. West. The currency of work kind of changes in retirement. That must have been so satisfying. Give me flow. Give me flow, not dough. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Paranoid Retiree. What's up? Hey, Ann. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jilly. So what's up for today's episode, Frenchie? Well, guys, in this episode, we'll be taking a look at working after retirement. Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, why do some people continue to work at some level after they retire? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Um, does retirement mean you have to quit working altogether? Does it mean part-time work? Or does it mean maybe even redefining work entirely? Ah, interesting. So thinking about working differently, maybe... A better term for retirement could be, I don't know, rewirement. Love I like it. it. We'll be right back to dive in. And we're back. Let's face it. It can really be nice to make a little money in retirement if it's going to make you a little bit less paranoid. But does it really have to be work? You guys, can I just say something here? Somebody, some people may want to do that, but others may not. Well, yeah, it, de it depends on your on your financial situation and and other things because sometimes you work for different reasons than money, for sure. Some people need it. Some people are doing it for other reasons, and I think maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. All um, right, all right. Now, now, the Oxford Dictionary via Google search defines work as activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. Hey, so by this definition, playing a game could be considered work with fun and gratification being the purpose. I mean, I think I, that's so, so interesting. I suppose it's, it could. I mean, if you look at it, you know, from the really, really like technical definition of the word work, it really is just like when you lift your arm, you're working, right? So work could be, I mean, no, seriously, right? You lift your arm, you 
I lifted my arm today and that's, <laughs> that's enough work. That's done. <laughs> Check I box. breathed. I breathed. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's work. I mean, that's technically work. So I guess, you know, we look at that, you know, we look at work as J-O-B. We look, you know, we've been conditioned in our society to look at, uh, especially in terms of retirement, as a job. And that, you know, normally will have at best a mixed connotation, but mostly negative because you you want to stop, right? Yeah. And, and also most of us now that people live kind of longer and maybe retired longer, obviously you don't just necessarily want to do absolutely nothing, like just lift your arm and say, hey, that's, <laughs> that's a good day. <laughs> but so I love this idea of talking about what work can mean and this re rewirement, this idea of rewirement. What a fabulous word for what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I love it too. Even though it's in the title of our show, The Paranoid Retiree, retirement really kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's kind of like putting someone out to pasture, you know? Definitely. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not, that, I love that rewirement word too, because it just makes me feel like it's a state of mind. It's not necessarily just stopping work that makes you retired. Um, it's rewiring your whole outlook on what is work. What is gratifying and what is satisfying, right? The the other thing I love about the idea of rewirement, I, I'm actually having some construction done in my house now. So I have all these open wires all over the place. It's like, what's gonna spark? What's gonna be sparking in this? Oh my new, gosh, this new totally not your house. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I actually feel it since I have retired in 2021. I am sparking a lot of new and new things. I I am sure. truly doing that. So I love rewirement. Let's, oh man, let's call it that. I love it. Great play on words. It's perfect. Well, you know, I I was doing a little digging too, and um, retirement or work or whichever you you know which side of the coin you want to look at, um, could mean different things. I mean, the Greeks had several different words for the concept of love. Um, like the platonic love. Yeah. Versus... What are those words, though? Anybody know? Eros, okay. which is uh, the first kind of love. It was named after the Greek god of fertility and represented the idea of sexual passion. Then there was this other one, uh, philousia. Wow. Sounds, yeah, like, I, sounds like some kind of sexual uh, practice. Right. It does. Yep. <laughs> Self-sexual practice, apparently. We're not going to okay. go there, but, but it's, it's like much like we show affection and love to other people, it's important to show that affection to ourselves. Um, and then there's, um, they, they, they have two names for the next one. It's um, eroteropia, eroteropia, or ludus, playful, flirtatious love. And then there's storage, unconditional familial love. Then pragma like pragmatic, I guess, which is committed, passionate love, and then agape, which is empathetic and universal love. So, so the Greeks like really, really broke love apart for the different ways that you could um, feel. And I think that work and retirement, you could do the same thing because when you don't work anymore, when you rewire yourself in rewirement, you have 
many, almost infinite choices about what your relationship is with work. For example, when I think about what work is to me now, some words that come to mind are things like pursuit, exploration, enrichment, pleasure, pleasure seeking, deep dives, um, time spent developing sol more solid relationships with people I care about. That, that is the work of, of now. I agree. And, you know, even planning a vacation is work, right? And oh. as you, and as oh, you mentioned, sure is. <laughs> and Boy. as you, me you mentioned, um, you know, relationships are always, you know, a certain amount of work. It's a work of love, right? I mean, you, you do it because you want to do it and because, you know, you have respect and love for the people that you're putting this work in for. So um, there's that. And, uh, then you get into the work of things like uh, volunteering, right, Anne? Yeah, exactly. To me, I mean, I'm with you, Jill. Deadlines and things like that are not are not my favorite thing. But of course, you you have to have them in some ways, in some forms. Self imposed deadlines feel Oops. very different than mm hmm mm hmm. That's right, Frenchie. Self imposed deadlines that aren't critical things that you can work with and you can work around and you enjoy are completely different than, you know, when you're in the working world and you have those critical deadlines that you feel like your head's going to explode. Nobody wants those in rewirement. Well, some people might. Some people might still like a good deadline. I just know for me, like the word dead is in <laughs> deadline. <laughs> It just does not sound appealing. There's a reason for that word, right? There, Amen. You, you know, for me, in my role as a communications professional, everything I did was on deadline, and I was yeah. good at that. And I, it truly did motivate me to have a deadline. I just want nothing to do with that anymore, not on the same level anyway. Maybe I'll always be a pretty good goal setter, and I will have some sort of you know, general deadlines out there, like in the fall eye or by the summer eye or, but not, <laughs> not works. like a checklist of a million things. Not for me, not anymore. Yeah. Tell us about you, Frenchie. Well, you know, I, part of the reason that I really wanted to do this episode is because I tell people that uh, we're doing this podcast, The Paranoid Retiree, and then I get like the side eye from people that really know me because they say, you're not really retired. Hmm. You're doing the podcast. You're still consulting with a few clients. You're doing this, you're doing that. It's like, you're in the band and it's like, yeah. Um, and this is why when I heard Anne use the term, it's not retirement, it's rewirement. I thought, boom, you know, that's what's going on. Then I had an answer for people. It's not that I don't work at anything anymore. I choose what I'm working at and I kind of choose how hard I work. And this is getting to Anne's point. The other day, uh, I was stressed. You know, I had songs to learn for the band. We had podcast material to get together. I'm doing some volunteer uh, work for our, our Lake Restoration Association and some more things at the same time. And I was getting a little tense, you know, just a little crispy around the edges. And, and said, wait a minute, 
you are overserved. This is not retirement for you. You're just as stressed as you were when you were working full time. Do you so, guys need me to send? Do you guys need me to send over a massage chair? Yes. That would help. But so there's that. You know, you get into with people like me, who I almost don't feel alive unless I've got a deadline in front of me. It's just the way I've been for the last forty years. And so um, I think it's a matter of conditioning, almost a PTSD thing. Yeah. So Jill, he doesn't really understand things like the nap ministry, although I've I've caught him taking a few naps, which is great. And I highly encourage them. But he thrives on having a million things to do and a big old to do list. And I know there's a lot of people out there that love that. And there's a lot of people like you who can successfully turn it off. Now, you know, I envy both of you because when you're in a brain that's trapped into this, you know, chaotic, like how many things, can, how many balls can I juggle at once? It's right. just, I mean, it gets uncomfortable. I do like to be busy, but I don't know if it's a skill or if it's learned or if it's what it is that you need to do. People like me need to do to turn that off. Well, and you mentioned the nap ministry. So this was an Instagram page I discovered, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And it's this uh, very interesting Black woman who has started uh, a whole concept of rest as resistance. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and it's sort of based on how we're conditioned by capitalism toward you know, constant productivity that you oh, should totally makes sense totally. that you shouldn't feel even good about yourself if uh, you're resting. And she sort of has this motto, we will rest, you know, rest as resistance. I'll just read you one of the posts that's a recent post just to give you a, a flavor for what she's talking about. Here's a recent one off her Instagram page that you can find at the nap ministry. Guilt and shame can come packaged in propaganda about goal setting and productivity. Beware. You are enough now. Your worth is not measured by check marks on a to-do list. Rest. <laughs> That's so cool. And you know, people like me are so far away from that. When I hear that, what I hear is I deserve my freedom. I yes, deserve exactly. rest. I deserve to let go, I guess. Sit down and read a book that isn't a business book. Well, and I like that you're that one of the first words that comes to your mind is freedom. Because as a black woman, one of the things she is also drawing from is is the slave past, right? Yeah. The the constant, you know, heed to the whip. So we're all conditioned by these things, some of us in very different ways than others. But um, capitalism, the capitalist country we live in, um, you know, we are very much conditioned toward constant productivity. You know, it's really interesting that uh, when I think about what you're saying, that most people, when they retire, suffer from PTSD because what, it. What do you it, mean? Well, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Yes, I know that. Well, 
I'm just saying. But I'm, I'm just. But think about the words. Think about the words in terms of working and retiring, and Job. this conditioning that we're talking about. I mean, it's conditioning. It's it's a uh, a that you always have to have a lot to do. That you always have to have a to do list. That you always have to set goals and deadlines. Right? Is and it make about money that? And, and make, make money. money? Yeah. Pulling yeah. the cart, you have to pull the cart. Right. And and that goes away. And how many people, and have we been talking to lately that are on the verge, on the brink of retirement, or even just retired, mm-hmm. saying, This feels weird. It feels wrong. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really well, it's the paranoid retiree. That's the it whole It totally I mean, is. It's yes. that that freak out about I have been working my whole life and saving money, saving money, saving money. And oh my gosh, now I need to spend it. People freak out about that. And I totally understand it. I think everybody kind of goes through that a little bit because let's face it, we've had a lot of conversations about you don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how long you're going to live well. You don't know how much money you're going to spend. It's crazy if you if you let your mind spiral and go down that little rabbit hole about the woulda, coulda, shoulda things that might happen. And everybody sort of has that fear of letting go of the J-O-B, right? You know, it, it, perfect case in point is our bass player, Mike, who just just retired last week. Ooh, yay, Mike. Go, Mike. Yes. yes. Go, Mike. So at rehearsal, I asked Mike, how are you digging retirement? How do you enjoy it? He said, you know... It's just so freaky. He said, I don't even know. And I just feel like I feel like I should be doing something to make money. Yeah. He actually said, I'm almost ready to go back to work because he's Mm. well rested. He looked better than he's looked since I've known him at rehearsal last night. He looked relaxed. It it was great to see him like that. But those were his words. And that I think is PTSD. (laughs) Again, I really I totally believe that. In a capitalist society, as you point out, Jill, that when people are finally able to stop working 40, 50, 60, however many hours a week, and are so obligated to an employer, and that's, you know, totally wired into their brains, hardwired into their brains, to then, you know, try to rewire without some therapy is a difficult process. And I don't know, I haven't seen anything. Have you guys seen anything on um, therapy for the recently retired? No, I haven't seen anything about it, but I'm certain that there are plenty of people who are in therapy who do discuss that issue with their therapist, because let's face it, that's definitely, it's one of our biggest life transitions. I want to be a rewirement therapist. I like it. And I think that's one of the reasons we started doing this. We want to talk about that. Maybe we are. Right? <gasps> we, are we are rewirement therapists. I love it. Oh my gosh. A calling, a new calling. Can you believe it? I, I think it's good. I think we should look into that. Do you think we can just coin the term retirement therapist and and say that's what we do, what we are, instead of podcasters? And it requires no um we it requires no additional training or education. Exactly. I'll publish us uh, some certificates. There we go. That'll yeah. Just make us a certificate. Just like the Wizard think... of Oz. Like who? Which one was it? <laughs> um, let's see. The diploma. Oh, it was the the scarecrow got his diploma, so he was smart. So I'll just I'll just whip up some you know 
rewirement therapy certificates. There, you go. there we go. But yeah, we're but not going to charge anybody because I was just we don't say think we can't charge it's for free. It. It's, it's free. free. Our, our rewirement therapy is free. And by the way, if anyone wants to ask us any questions about uh, any th- questions for your new therapists, you can write to us. What's our new email address? The paranoid retiree at gmail.com. That's us. Yeah. So if you have any questions, I totally agree with that concept about when it becomes work. It, it's sort of like what we were talking about with Greg having these, you know, self-imposed deadlines that create stress in him. It's the same concept, right? If you are doing something that you love, you don't have that feeling. It doesn't feel like work. No, it doesn't. It just feels like flow. Right. Remember when we worked in uh, publishing and we would put cool people on tape and there was the guy from University of Chicago, Mihaly Chesink, Mihaly, very hard name to pronounce, but he was all about that flow state. Yes. That's what we want. We want flow. Give me flow. Right. Give me flow, not dough. Flow, not dough. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe flow with dough. That's okay. Flow with dough. It could be really amazing, but I'll just take the flow. I'll take the flow without the dough. I agree. I agree. And it isn't just about making money. I remember when I was thinking about retiring and talking to my financial advisor. And I remember the very first thing he said to me was, well, you want to think about a part-time job after that. And I was like, what? do I not have enough to retire? No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. You know, you can do that, but you're going to want something to do. And he right away went only to that. Yeah. He could only think of, yeah, he hasn't been rewired yet. Obviously I've recently started just in the past few months to do strength training. Now, I was one of those people who in gym class, I was like one of the girls at the back who would rather just talk and gossip with my friends and like everything seemed a bit much. (laughs) Um, But now I feel like part of my work is to strengthen my body because I know it's good for me. I don't really like absolutely love it, but I love it because I know it's good, good for me. Yeah. And that's that's part of my work now, definitely. And I feel like I'm just going to keep on doing that because I know that that's good for my health and for helping me do all the other things I want to do. So that's a kind of work now for me. Age 62, strength training. It's lifting your arm, but with a weight on the end of it. Cool. <laughs> well, you know, Jill, it's, it's really interesting that you should say it, put it that way, because consciously in my mind, um, when I am trying to organize my priorities for the day or for the week or whatever, I've, I've consciously put health at the top. So even if it's going to make me late for something else during the day, I will still make sure that I prioritize exercise, eating, nutrition, sleep, all of those things, because I know that without that, I don't have anything else. I mean, it's always Yay. that way, but, but yep. once you retire and, and you hit a certain age, it's like, I want to do things. You know, I really want to get out there and I still want to scuba dive and, uh, you know, I'll be 70 in, in, a, in a few months and I just, I want to keep going and I feel great. I'm so glad you're taking care of yourself that way and that you're choosing to work that way. I think that's fabulous. So, you know, you were talking about Uh, capitalism and the mindset work and compensation. 
work and compensation. And it's usually in terms of money. And that's been, that's been hardwired into us since, uh, for me, since I was 14 and I started working at Dog and Suds in, in South Holland, Illinois. Our entire lives then, we get into this accumulation mode, right? And we go from just graduating college, for example, or when you're just out of high school, if you didn't go to college, you know, need a car, need a house, need this, need that, need clothes, need, and then you get kids and then you need to clothe your kids and you need school and you need um, books and you, and you need uh, piano lessons, piano lessons, right? Braces. And it just goes on and on and on. And then after the kids are gone, it's, oh my God, I didn't save enough. So you're, you're taking all the nuts out of the backyard and burying them everywhere you can in your little portfolio <laughs> of whatever kind it is to make sure that you have enough money to retire and for as long as you live. And that's one of the biggest concerns. But then all of a sudden, it stops. Yeah. And then yeah. you have to completely turn the boat around and say, okay, now I'm not about accumulation, I'm about decumulation. And you go, what? Yeah, that is a hard one to wrap to wrap your mind about. I, I'm definitely thinking about that a lot now and working on that. And yeah, because it's scary. It's scary. And then, of course, everyone has a different relationship to money, right? Some people are going to want to save as much as possible for the next generation, there's a balance between the saving and the spending and the, yeah, it's a, yeah. Well, what I'd like to do is uh, bring in our financial advisor, Brett Forsyth, to talk to us a little about the decumulation mindset, how to let go of the accumulation mindset and think about decumulation without fear. And, you know, what does responsible decumulation look like? I mean, you can... <laughs> You can blow all of your retirement savings in a year, uh, and then what? You know, then you don't have enough. That money sounds bad. That, that, that sounds bad. Very yeah, a bad, little scary. Very bad. <laughs> uh, or you can use the responsible decumulation strategy, and we're going to talk to Brett a little bit about that. We'll be right back. We're back with financial advisor Brett Forsyth who's going to give us a little bit of insight into rewirement after retirement. So, Brett, thanks for joining us today. Could you give our audience just a little bit of uh, orientation and background about yourself? Hello there. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Brett Forsyth with Edward Jones. I'm a financial advisor in Indiana, and I have the uh, honor to work with many families, business owners, and our focus is simple. It's about being a blessing in our clients' lives. We genuinely care for their personal and financial well-being and serve them deeply just to reflect uh, how sincerely we value their trust. Hey, Brett, you and your uh, Edward Jones office provide folks all over the country with financial advice, like you know, retirement planning before they actually quit working. But what about during retirement? It, really anything in the financial world, we're here to help and, and be a resource for our clients. So basically realize their dreams, right? And even further than that, Greg, not only realizing their dreams, but quite honestly, helping them uh, visualize those dreams and, and really help them understand what those dreams are. That's interesting. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit on this episode about transitioning uh, from accumulation to decumulation mindset when people retire. 
I'd imagine that you have a lot of experience dealing with that. Um, how, how do you coach your clients uh, to let go of that accumulation mindset that they've been in for their entire working life? I mean, it could be like 30, 40 years. Well, it, it's tough. Uh, I mean, you, it's kind of funny. You mentioned you're, you're so focused on the accumulation phase, and I, I totally agree with that. But I would also think during that phase, you may not have been as focused on the, the dollar amount or, or watching the investment so closely. You're taking care of your family. You have your your job that you're working on and, and diligently doing that allows you to save and, and accumulate. Well, it's true because accumulation really doesn't necessarily only mean saving. It means spending. You're accumulating sure. stuff. And so you're accumulating stuff and you're supposed to be accumulating investments as well. Uh, but sometimes the balance is, is uh, a little bit fuzzy because, you know, priorities. Do you Do you, you know, take a vacation? Do you save some money? Or do you buy stuff for your kids? Or do you save money and put it in investments? So, uh, yeah, that, that that whole accumulation mindset is uh, all-encompassing. Well, and you're, you're balancing it as well. You know, you're balancing what, you know, the spending and the saving. And then you're balancing your time. You know, your time is, is spent on work and spent on, on your family. And now you start to transition to the retirement phase. And that balance of time is much different. Uh, you know, family, you're not, you're not in the day-to-day -day hustle of, you know, getting kids to sporting events and taking them to school. Right. Exactly. So how do you talk people down from this and when does it start? Oh, I mean, it starts, I, I will go back and say the, the best thing that any financial advisor can do for their client, in my opinion, is to just listen to them and understand where they're at. doesn't matter if they're a, you know, million dollar client, multi-million dollar client, um, $100,000 client, but just understanding where they're at uh, to really help them, you know, realize, uh, we'll come up with the dream. And then of course, realize the dream, but the educating, educating clients, if, if you are educated on, on your strategy or your investment mix, that will, that will help your comfort level. And mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And, and comfort will, um, allow you to enjoy your retirement and enjoy your strategy and not be overly paranoid. You know, they do say that that education is one of the biggest cures for anxiety. And I, I totally agree with that. So I think you're spot on with that. I, I come from a family of educators. My parents were educators, grandparents, um, siblings, cousins, a lot of educators in our family, a lot of educators and coaches. And, you know, we will spend a lot of time with clients uh, just on the whiteboard, just basic educating of finance 101. Um, understanding how a stock works, how a bond works, just, just so they can under, have that comfort level. Because ultimately, a goal of ours is, is to have clients that feel comfortable with their strategy and feel comfortable and confident in their plan. So when the market takes a big dip, which it will, and it has, mm -hmm. but we just want to take the fear and the emotion out of the equation if we can, as much as possible. So if I uh, am just retiring, we're used to getting a paycheck and all of a sudden there's no paycheck. Now there might be some social security coming in, depending on when you take it, but we're, we're so used to not taking money. That nest egg is sacred, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we have to start drawing. What, how do you prepare your clients for this? Do you give them a plan? 
on how to draw, when to draw, where to draw from. And by the way, I didn't know, Anne and I were, were really enlightened by learning that there are different places to take money from first, second, third, and down the line. So how do you, how do you prepare your clients to not have this anxiety about taking money out of their nest egg? Well, Greg, you have to have a plan. And the plan has to be individualized for, for you as a client, uh, for you and your, your family and your loved ones. It can't be as simple as, well, I'm just going to withdraw this percentage every year for my account. Because if that's your plan, all you're going to focus on is that dollar amount in the, in the account, which will then give you anxiety. In general terms, what kinds of things would you take money out of first versus later? You know, if your goal is to pay the least amount in taxes every year, then we might be withdrawing money in a certain manner. You know, you know, we can be withdrawing money from a, a 401k, an IRA, a Roth account, uh, an annuity, uh, just a non-qualified brokerage account. And each one of those accounts has a different taxation to you as the client uh, with receiving that money. So depending on a, on a goal of are we trying to minimize taxes now? Are we trying to minimize taxes for our beneficiaries later in life? Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that uh, from a taxation standpoint, from from pulling from different buckets. And it, it's going to change year by year. You know, an example would be if if you had to take a large withdrawal out of a retirement account in a given year to pay for a new roof on your home. Well, then that might impact where you pull money from later in the year if another need arises. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, so we want to look at each tax year individually working with a, um, you know, your, your accountant to make sure that we're understanding how, how a certain withdrawal would impact. You mentioned social security. How is it going to impact your taxation on social security in a given year? So there's a lot of variables that go into it again, as opposed to just picking money from, you know, the biggest account, if that makes sense. That's really useful information and a really good use case on on how to look at it. You know, we, we I didn't, I can't even speak for Anne, but I had no idea that there were so many strategies involved in in accessing your money after retirement. Because, you know, you're right, you know, you have some folks with 401ks, you have some folks with um, uh, pensions, you have some focused, folks with just brokerage account money, Mm -hmm. uh, property, all kinds of different investments. And, and, and it became clear to us after talking to you that, um, these are, uh, there are strategies around the best times to liquidate any of these. And it, it's not just, as you say, oh, let's just take a percentage. And I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention during my accumulation phase to, uh, a lot of the investments that were being made. And, and the ones with dividends now are the ones that I'm just so totally in love with because we're not <laughs> scraping any principal off. You mentioned dividends. And I think that's a, it's, it's something really important to bring up. We talk about educating clients and, and just understanding how does a dividend even work from a, from a stock? You know, many stocks do pay dividends. And, you know, the example I would use is if your, your stock may be paying $4 per share. So for every share you own, it's paying a $4 dividend, you know, and, but most of us would focus, is that share price a hundred dollars a share? Is it $110 a share? Is it $90 a share? But if you know your dividend amount uh, and you're, you're a little more focused on that, that can help alleviate 
um, some anxiety when you see that share price moving around every day like it will. But you're still going to get that dividend. Yeah. The dividend's like a paycheck. Yeah. And now it's yeah. not guaranteed, right? Yeah. Dividends aren't necessarily guaranteed, but um, but yeah, so you, and you can look at the track record. Hey, Brett, there are a lot of curveballs people should be prepared for. Can you tell us a little bit about the kinds of curveballs we should be thinking about? The biggest curveball I think that that anyone sees, and you may have seen it with your own parents, I've seen it with my family, is healthcare costs. Healthcare costs are growing um, dramatically. And, you know, there's so many different statistics, so many reasons for it, you know, advanced modern medicine, people are living longer. Um, but ultimately, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, having a plan, we can plan for the expected. And that's what we're going to do. We're planning for our retirement, we're planning for the expected. But we need to prepare for the unexpected. You know, how can we make sure that our account or our strategy is prepared for the unexpected? Um, and a big one would be would be healthcare. Um, you know, there's just on, on average, we we typically look at you know numbers for forty five hundred to sixty five hundred per person annually is kind of a traditional healthcare budget. But if you put long term care into that mix later in life. Um, for an extended period of time, that can really, really change someone's strategy. Out the window. It could. It could. That's what we've got to we've got to prepare for. As, that as is something that a lot of my friends have talked about and asked me about. I worked for a company that had a long term care plan on our insurance plans, and people don't really understand it and don't realize how that can just wipe people out. And it's also hard to find. So it's great to find somebody who you can talk to about it. Someone like yourself, because mm -hmm. I know that's that was my first go-to, was to Edward Jones to talk about long-term care and how can you help protect yourself against stuff like that. Yeah, and there's 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 many ways to do it. Um, and you know, we could be self-insured. You could go to a, a route of saying, "Hey, I'm just going to allocate this particular money to be for my long-term care needs if they arise. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, well, then maybe that account or that bucket of money goes to my my children." Or we could go as far as you mentioned, long-term care insurance and, and trying to insure for the proper amount to make sure that we are covered if that does happen. Right. Um, and again, it, it's going to be personalized. The one thing I would always caution clients is have discussions with your friends about this stuff. Absolutely. But remember, we can't, we don't want to, we're, we're going to be different than than our friends. So when just because a friend says, hey, well, my mom did this or my dad did this, that may not be applicable because we don't know all of the details of their situation. We don't know what their retirement projections look like. If they had a pension, if they didn't have a pension, what tax bracket they may have been in. Did they inherit money? Were there, did they have a goal of leaving a legacy? Did they not? There's so many variables that go into a, a financial plan that I just caution people to, you know, don't always um, put too much into what, what your friend's doing or your neighbor's brother did. Talk to your advisor, yes. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Brett, do you work with clients only in Indiana or do you work in other states? Great question. Yeah, I I, I believe I'm licensed in, in roughly 20 states. Uh, so you have to be licensed in the state you work in. And we do have uh, clients all over the country. Um, you know, with today's technology, we're able to to serve clients and, and loved ones all over. And as, as you can imagine, probably with your own family, you know, you've got kids all over the country. So we start to have relationships with 
with their loved ones um, and then their friends and and so forth. So it's kind of like a, a spider web all over the country. Thanks, Brett, for the really enlightening perspective on rewiring our financial mindset. So we can be maybe a little less paranoid and enjoy retirement more. So anyone uh, listening, if you want to reach out to Brett with questions, you can call him at 574-255-4911. That's 574-255-4911. Or you can email him at Brett Forsyth. that's B-R-E-T dot F-O-R-S-Y-T-H at edwardjones.com. Brett.Forsyth at edwardjones.com. On with the show. We're talking with Brett about decumulation and how absolutely capitalistic this whole concept of accumulation and decumulation is. Kind of bashing capitalism and, and you know talking about this PTSD relationship with work and compensation. Uh, but the realities are we do live in a capitalistic society and, um, and things cost money and th things cost money. They cost a lot of money, especially since that last inflation cycle. Yep. So why, what are the reasons that people would continue to work? And maybe we can open that up a little bit. I mean, you mean you go wait, 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 not just continue to work, but work uh, for money. Yeah. And right? oh, uh, the word continue to work, continue. It almost yeah. seems like you're just going to keep going like, ah, you know, the road sign says retirement this way. And you go, eh, I don't think I'm going to turn there right now. That's not really what I mean. What I mean is, why would you work for compensation after you stop working at J-O-B? J-O-B. Yes. Thank you. And it's like, it's kind of like going from warp speed on a leash to working when you like, at what you like, and maybe using the extra money for, you know, things like travel. This is one of the reasons uh, I, I know that's why we're continuing to work is, you know, we have a budget and a financial advisor worth his salt is going to ask you for at least a monthly budget or an annual budget um, before you retire because they want to be able to advise you on how much money you're going to need per year and for the rest of your life uh, with your individual life expectancy. So um, we set our budget and we thought, hmm, we said that a couple of years ago, but the travel piece of this looks a little light. So we decided to continue doing some consulting on the side um, to provide us with some fun money to travel. And some people do it for hobbies or, you know, slight extravagances. I want to make sure that it's clear that we're continuing to work for money just to boost our travel budget because it's fun. But we're also only working with people that we want to work with. We, we're doing work that we care about, you know, work that we feel is really important to the state of the world and to better the world. So we're doing things like that that are really meaningful it's so to very us. True. Very but true. there's a lot of people who want to keep working for money because they are worried that they're going to run out of money. And that happens too. But if you can rewire your brain and find something that you know, it doesn't feel like work to you, but is working for money. You know, you might just want to work for health insurance. You might want to work to pay those, you know, Medicare premiums, things like that. 
just to keep the money in the bank. So that decumulation piece doesn't feel so painful. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. You know, I worked with somebody when I worked at the public library. He was in charge of our, you know, the building, the maintenance, the security. And he, he has now reti- since retired. Um, but he told, and he's moving to Arizona, but he said that he could picture himself just going to work for like delivering auto parts. And I think about this guy and he's so nice and he's such a personable guy. And I could just picture him driving around Tucson, you know, just having his great Irish chats with people where he could go on forever telling his glorious stories. And and he'd make some money, and I, I don't even think probably it was for necessarily for the money, but you know, just having a job where you do earn money, but it just doesn't have that stress on top right. of you of responsibility, sort of a an easier job maybe, or a job that doesn't take as much out of you. Yeah, exactly. I remember my father-in-law when he retired, he took a job as a driver for. Um, dealership, right? So when you drop off your car to have work done, he would drop you back off at work or at home and pick you up and things like that. He had so many stories from that job. I mean, we never heard stories much about his his job before that. That's interesting. This job, oh my gosh, the people he met, he worked with people that he just loved. There were ladies at the desk that took care of him. This was before, you know, you could find your way on your phone and you actually had to know where you were going and they'd give him directions. And he had such a good time at that job and made so many friends. It was awesome. And, you know, he made some money on the side and it was great. You know, he'd be excited to take us out for dinner because they had this extra cash. It was cool. So what I'm hearing from all this conversation today is that currency of work kind of changes in retirement from money to satisfaction and other kinds of rewards. So the perception of work changes. It's not a job anymore. It's energy that you expend for some kind of reward, right? Yeah, exactly. Different And different rewards for different people, right? So here's kind of what we put together for some tips for our listeners for how to rewire yourself rather than just retire. You can work as long as you follow the rules, no stress. You cannot uh-huh. allow a job to impose stress on you. That's what you did when you were not rewired. Pay attention to yourself, Frenchie. Okay, go on. You got it. I mean, I'm I'm totally guilty. Totally. No obligations. Now, that's almost unrealistic because, you know, if you make an appointment for something that you want to do, which you might consider to be work, you need to keep that. So there are there's certain obligations. But, but it's more like that the obligation is not in your you're not motivated by obligation. You're motivated by something else, not it's, obligation. Yeah. It's, it's not That's the, a good way to look at it. It's not the stick, it's the carrot. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh nobody is forcing you. The obligation is is born of your own will and want. And then it's gotta be more satisfying. The the work that you do has got to be more satisfying than spending that time not doing that thing. So if you look at, you know, before we were saying, you know, you can't, you can't just sit there all day 
and do moving, your arm, moving, <laughs> your arm. <laughs> moving your arm, moving your arm. Hey, as long as it's moving for either a cup of coffee or or a bourbon, that's that's <laughs> worthwhile exercise, right? That's worthwhile work. Um, but it's got to be more satisfying than just not doing that or not doing something. So you're looking at kind of the conservation of time that you have left and energy that you have left on this world in this world. Um, hey, you're you're a pretty good retirement therapist. I I like your um I like your modal your your modality is terrific as a retirement therapist. Retirement therapist, darling. I'm going to call it modality, like my mojo. <laughs> the other point is your work has to contribute to your purpose. So, whether that work for compensation uh, that you're going to do after you are rewired. It might be a vacation fund or closing an income gap that you have so you don't have to worry or whatever it might be. It's got to contribute to that purpose. So don't get sidetracked by uh, shiny little objects along the way. If you focus, it does a couple things. You're working for a purpose and therefore you're not going to overwork and then get trapped in this job and working for the man situation again because you're kind of focused. And once you have accomplished that, whatever it is, that that purpose, then you can relax because you know what you're aiming at, right? Yeah, I definitely. Like, like if I ever decide to sell my paintings, I think I was I tried to think like, why would I? And I think, well, just to show that yeah, I mean, it, they it have a little value in the capitalist system. Because we system. are wired to believe <laughs> that if someone's willing to pay for something that we've done, that it has value. I get that. And that's never going to go away because, uh, as we said before, we live in a capitalistic society. That's going to, uh, it's going to be ever present. Also, it has to be aligned with your own schedule instead of someone else's. Now, again, with, you know, we have to temper this kind of a statement, but the more flexible that you can find uh, a working situation for income, the better, right? After all, nine-tenths of the reason that we have retired is to gain more command over our time. And lastly, don't be afraid to do work that you enjoy, but be careful not to create another hamster wheel for yourself. Amen. Amen. We lift our arms to all of you rewirees out there. We're with you. On our next episode, we're going to talk about how we live as we get older kind of options will be available for all us aging boomers is it all about moving into a retirement home do we live with our kids do we gather a bunch of friends and create something new what are people doing we're going to explore that don't miss it it's going to be a good one bye friends bye for now Most of this podcast and Edward Jones have an existing business relationship. This is not a testimonial of the services provided by Edward Jones financial advisor, Brett Forsyth. This segment has been sponsored by the local Edward Jones office of Brett Forsyth.